Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning. Uh, No pressure. It's going to rock our world. No pressure. I don't have to do that. The Word would do that. Is that all right? Y'all doing good? All right. It's been a couple of weeks. I missed a few Sundays. I hope y'all didn't think I was gone. I was gone from here, but I'm not leaving the church. So if you miss me in a period of time, Tony's not gone too. All right. So I'll let you know if that happens for me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Uh, Anybody remember Pastor Steve's word from last week? Right. He spoke about what character? Gideon, right? So I was really encouraged when I heard it. And I want to try to Uh, continue a word of encouragement to you today. Uh, The word is to encourage you, but it also will challenge you a little bit. Is that okay? Anybody want to grow in Christ? Anybody want to experience God's best? Now, that's an easy question. Here's the more difficult one. Anyone want to be the best for God? See, that's a different kind of question, right? I want his best. I do. But sometimes the challenge is, will I let him bring the best out of me? You understand that? I want to see miracles, but the challenge is, would I let him do some miracles in me? Is that all right? I love this church. Ever since I've been here, I've seen great things God is doing, and I think God is still doing some awesome things. And I have great expectations for what God is doing. I just need to know if anyone else has expectations for what God is doing now. Come on. You ought to have some expectations for what God is doing. God is always doing something. He's working out his plan, and I want to communicate and participate with that plan. Is that okay? All right. How many of you know what God has for you is for you? You know that? If God has something for you, he's going to get it to you. Now, the biggest challenge is will you be ready to receive it? That's always the challenge. Anybody praying for anything for God? from God? You got something you want God to do for you? Come on, I just want to believe him with you. It's okay if you are praying. If you're not, think of something. If you're not praying for anything you want God to do, think of something. Okay? Come up with something. Otherwise, your life will live, or be lived pretty mediocre. All right? I want to share with you today on this thought, how you see things. Last time I was before you, I talked about open your eyes. But I want to now talk about how you see it. It's the it you see. How you see it is really important, not the it. How you see it is more important than the it you see. There was a funny story. I thought it was kind of funny. It's in Mark chapter 8. I believe it's around verse 24. Jesus heals a blind man. And when he heals the man, he says to the man, now open your eyes and tell me, do you see anything? And the man says, oh, yeah, I see men walking around like trees. What was funny to me, Jesus said, close your eyes again. I got to do this over. How you see it is really important, not that you see, but it's really important how you see also. Jesus tells the man, close his eyes, he opens them again, and now the Bible says he see clearly, clearly. God is doing some things, but it's important to you and I that we see clearly what he's doing. How you see it is really important. So I want to take you through a couple of scriptures so we can talk a little bit about how you see it. Is that okay? Now, I need you to have your Bibles with me because the word is really important, okay? 
The word of God is more important. Now, y'all looking at me, so I'm going to look at you back. So if you're quiet, I'm going to look back quietly at you. Okay? So if, if I talk about a truth, I want you to let other people around you know that, yeah, that was true. You can do that by saying oil. Oh, that's from Pastor and I. Or amen. Okay? So I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And the primary verse I want to look at is verse 16. But while I was sitting meditating, I noticed something that I probably ought to share with you starting at verse 1. And he might not have this on the screen. Verse 1 and 2 was a warning that Paul was given to Timothy. And I want you to look starting in that chapter, chapter 1, 2, and 3. I want you to look at the warning he was giving Timothy with me, okay? This will set the stage a little bit for us uh, for what the purpose of the message is. It's intended to encourage you, but it's certainly going to challenge you. All right? You good? All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, start at verse 1. But mark this time. There will be terrible times in the last days. That doesn't sound encouraging, does it? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power. I'm going to stop right there because I think that's happening in the church. I think it's happening in the church when people love things more than they love the word of God. I think sometimes believers get caught up in how they feel about a thing and what they think about a thing, and they love their own thoughts and feelings and ideals more than they love what God is doing or saying. I think you're innocent. Thank God for God's mercy. Because you can fall into that thing, loving pleasure, loving how it feels, loving what you think, loving your own agenda, loving your own idea. You can fall into that innocently because we don't know any better. But I'm telling you it today so we can know better. You cannot love what you think, what you feel, what you want, what you desire, what you live by more than you love God. Come on, somebody. Whew, that's a hard word, Tony. Come on, somebody. Your faith in God cannot be built on a pleasure principle. It has to be. It must be built on the word of God. A faith that you can feel and express through your feelings but does not have its foundation in the information provided in the word of God is no good. It's a form of godliness but there's no power in it. You with me? I shout sometimes, but shouting ain't where the power is. Shouting don't prove nothing about me, but it doesn't take anything from me either. You cannot build your faith off of what you feel, what you think, what you believe, what you know, what you've been doing because you think that stuff is right. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is destruction. If you're expecting from God, you have to get in line with the word of God. So the outcome will be what you expect. 
Human beings are motivated, as long as you live under the sun, by results. Am I right? You need results. Am I right? When you don't see results, you get aggravated. You get frustrated. You get annoyed. You get tired. You get, you get complacent. You don't want to do anything. You want to leave it because you don't see results. Can I talk to City Life Church for a second? You're in that place. You look at people who've left. You look at what's not happening. You look at what you don't like. You look at how it's going that you don't agree with, and you make decisions by that stuff. Yet you want God to do something. God does not work on your agenda. He does not work on your timing. He not, does not work through your method and means. He's got his own plan. The call for the people of God is get in line with his plan. Come on, somebody. This is shouting stuff right here. I know it is. I know it is. I want to be on God's agenda. His is guaranteed results. Mine is mediocre at best. Here in this chapter, go to verse 16. All scripture. Did you get that? All scripture. Everything in the book. All scripture is God breathed. When God created man, he breathed into his nostrils. In other words, life comes from scripture. When God breathed scripture, he breathed life back into us. You with me? All scripture is God breathed and useful. That word means profitable. I want good results. I want to profit from my efforts. I want to profit from my prayers. I want to profit from my labor. I want to make sure that whatever I do ends in a result I want. Does that make any sense? My great ideals don't mean very much if they don't profit. All scripture is useful to do what? Teach. And this word implies that there are some doctrines, some rules we live by that God wants to teach us. There are some ways to life that God wants to teach us. Before Christ, we were dead. Now that we have Christ, we are alive. The goal of God is to teach us how to live. When I lived in the world, I survived. Now that I'm in Christ, I want to live. I know how to survive, but I don't know how to live. Yep, 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 I hear you. You got some hints, some half-truths, some information that'll do sort of okay, but it won't get you the full results. Mine come from mama and from my environment and from my surroundings. I, I got some information that's tainted and sprinkled with a little truth. But the problem is not the little truth that's in it. The problem is the big lie that's in it. Because the lie that's in it binds me down. The lie holds me captive. The lie limits my results. The truth is why I can see a glimpse of it. But the lie keeps holding me back. I don't need truth sprinkled with a lie. I need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. How many of you know what happens according to the Bible when you get to truth? It will make you free. Listen, freedom is a pretty important word. You need to be free in every area. You understand that? Not only is it good for teaching, it'll teach us what's true, but it'll make us realize the word in the King James is correction. It'll make us realize what's wrong. How many of you know that there are some things that are wrong in you? In me, there's plenty of wrong. 
I'm not wrong. There are some wrong things working in me. Since Christ, I'm right. I've been made right through Christ. I'm right with God. But there are some things that are working in me that are wrong. They're causing me not to get the results I want. So God wants to work those things out of me so that I can do what I want. Does that make any sense? It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, what's interesting that this is the NLV, but I want to read it in the NIV version because I want you to hear a few words that I want to talk about, okay? I don't know what version you got, but I'm going to read it in this one so you can hear it this way. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that purpose is the part I want to point at. God has a purpose for wanting to teach, correct, rebuke, and train. I need training. I need training in righteousness. I don't understand how righteousness works. God's got to teach me and train me. You don't come into the faith knowing that stuff. If you think you do, you're wrong. He want to teach me in righteousness so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped and lacking nothing or equipped for the work that he has to do. I want to give you a picture of thoroughly equipped. I had asked Devin to get a picture of two boats. Put them up for me, Devin. Both boats are boats. Both of them sail on the water. Which one would you rather have for a long journey? It's obvious, isn't it? The one on the left requires your power. It's not thoroughly equipped for a long journey. It doesn't have everything it needs to safely navigate the rough seas. It can get you there, but in what condition, I can't guarantee. Some of us are in that kind of boat. Well, we're trying to sail through life in our own power, and the storms of life keep throwing us off course, wrecking us, or throwing us. God is trying to say, I gave you the word so you could be thoroughly equipped. The word would be decked out. It's a boat word, decked out, which means the deck and the, the ship has everything in need for your comfort and for your navigation and for your safe journey. God wants you and I thoroughly equipped. Come on, somebody. God's working for your good. God is not trying to stop you. He's trying to equip you. He wants you to go where it is you want to go. If you have a big dream, God wants you to have the big dream. If you have a desire for someone to love you, God wants you to have that. He just doesn't want you to go unequipped. I know in life we feel like we know stuff already because there's some stuff we do know. I know how to row that boat. Some of us know to take a life jacket and pack a lunch. Some of us are smart. You can throw a motor on the back of that dude and get it a whole lot further but it still don't equip you like the big one. I don't want to come short. I don't want to come short. I want to be able to say like Paul, I did everything I was supposed to do. I finished my race. I'm happy about it. I hit the mark. Is that right? Anybody else in here want that too? Come on, I'm talking to you because that's me too, okay? 
we have the unfortunate position sometimes of a preacher. We are guilty to the same words we preach, and you don't know it. The unfortunate side is you don't know it. You think we're saying that because we got it together. I'm saying that because that's what God gave me while I'm trying to get it together, right? You and I come up short. Sometimes you come up short, not because your intentions were bad, but because you're not thoroughly prepared. You're not thoroughly equipped. You're not decked out. Come on, they didn't even sound good on it. I want a boat that's decked out. That sounds pretty good, don't it? I want to be decked out, right? That sounds pretty good. So I want to leave this scripture in thought, and I want to go over to Hebrews to finish talking to you, okay? Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to start with you at verse 4. You have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood in your striving against sin. This is Paul talking to people. He's trying to encourage you and I. This is a word of encouragement. This word, from all I can see, does not come from anything they've been doing wrong. It comes from something that warns them and tries to get them on track before wrong happens. This word is an encouraging word because the writer understands how you and I see things. So he's trying to give them an understanding to help clear up their vision. He says, you and I have not struggled unto blood uh, trying to overcome sin. How many of you are saved? Let me just see real quickly. It's okay. Don't be shy. It's okay. I'm asking this for a reason, not to point you out. Because saved people struggle with sin. You could say I'm saved, and that still is okay because you struggle with sin. Don't say, I don't know if I'm saved because I struggle with sin. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved. And you struggle with sin. Okay? It's not or. And you struggle with sin. Right? But to be clear, I want to give some other thoughts about what sin is. I ask him to write these down. So, Devin, would you put those up there? As a, a little information, I have about some ideals about what all sin might be. So, I want you to look at this. Sin, whether it occurs by omission or commission, in thought or in feeling, in speech or in action. It doesn't matter if you did it on purpose or you failed to do it. Whether it's a thought or deed an action or something you said or something you feel or something you believe. Got that? Then, sin is a power over us that has to be broken. Now, when we accept Christ, that happened in the spiritual. It needs to also happen in the natural and in the mental and in the emotional. The power sin has over you in every area of your being needs to be broken. Not only that, it's a thing that holds us down or holds us captive. Whatever it is that limits you, holds you down, is a sin because it causes you to miss God's mark. If it's fear, if it's embarrassment, if it's shame, if it's regret, whatever it is, it causes you to miss God's mark. Sin is also the limiting behavior of thinking that makes us ineffective. It's also control over our body as an instrument. Sin uses our body to do things that are wrong. Then it's the craft by which sin easily, as we are accustomed to, deceives us. It's the thing that we are accustomed to so that we are unable to exist without it. That's how we feel. I've heard people tell me things like, I'm just shy. You don't understand. 
what they're trying to tell me, they can't live without being shy. They feel like they have to be shy because that's the way they feel. You don't understand, Tony. I'm just this way. You weren't made that way. God didn't create you that way. If that way exists and God didn't give it to you, it's not right. Will you overcome all of them? Nope. Nope. I told you I'm shy. I just happen to have the microphone today. Because when God needs me, I'll overcome my feeling. And I've practiced it enough so it don't look like it to you. I practice overcoming my shyness. I walk up to strangers so I can practice. Because I know God didn't make me shy. I have to be able to give a word when God needs me to speak. So I can't be hiding in fear of being shy and afraid. I have to practice so when God wants me to say something, I can say it. You with me? It's a power exercise dominion over us as a principle. What is there are some beliefs and thoughts inside of us that take authority over us and we act in accordance to that belief without ever checking that belief to see is it in line with God's word. We just believe it because it's the way we believe, it's what we think, and we don't check it in God's word. So we'll say to people, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way it's always been. This is all I've ever known. Well, if it worked for me, we have the audacity to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In other words, translation, if I'm not getting any problems from it, why should I look into changing it? If you live like that, God has to riddle your life with trouble just to change you. If you live like that, no wonder you're always going through something. The trouble you're having is sent or allowed to break some habits. I'm going to show you in a minute. If you're the kind of person who do not pursue God, God has to find a way to catch up with you. He will not let you go through life unequipped. He's the author and the finisher. He don't start nothing he can't finish. If his goal is to get you to the image of Christ, he's going to get you there. And he said like they do on them pictures, that we can do this the hard way or the easy way. You get to choose. It's also the dictate of this power that exists inside of you is what keeps causing the impulses proceeding from your body because there are some beliefs you have. I've told some people this in my mind, so I'll try to make this the short version, but growing up, I never like people to know when I have new clothes. So as an adult, I would go shopping. And when I go shopping, because I'm a member of this church, if I saw you come in, I would feel bad and I'd put the clothes down and leave the store. Now, you didn't see me. I saw you. So as soon as I saw you, I go, oh, there go Pastor Steve. Oh, God. And I put them clothes down, leave the store, try not to see Pastor Steve. I would do that at 28 and 30 and 40. I was doing that. I was behaving that way. One day, my pastor, when I lived in Tacoma, came in the church, and I saw him, and I was, I was standing in the checkout line. I was going to put the clothes down, but I was trapped. I couldn't get out the checkout line. There he was, and I'm trying to figure, what do I do? Oh, God, God. I got, and I start to feel panic. And I eventually just wrapped the clothes up and held them on my arm, tried to stand up like I didn't see him, hoping it'd hurry up. He saw me. Hey, Reverend McMahon, how you doing? I went, oh, God, you saw me. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? What are you doing, he asked. I said, nothing. Luckily, he said, good to see you. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Those clothes I bought, I didn't even wear them that Sunday because I didn't want him to ask. You bought those there at the store? Because as a little child, my mother told me 
that I could not let anyone know who my father was. But my father is the one who gave me money for clothes. So when I went and bought new clothes, people will ask me, where did you get them? They knew my mother didn't have any money. So I couldn't say my mother bought them. And as a child, I was forced to lie. And I would say, ah, they're my brothers. Or I learned to not wear them when they're new, tried to make them look old first. And from a little child, head start, I live like that. So eventually, I created a program in my brain. You can't let people know when you got new stuff. Now, that wasn't a conscious program. I just went around doing it. I very rarely even noticed I was doing it. I bought used cars instead of new cars. I bought used stuff instead of new stuff. I didn't even notice. Till that day, my pastor showing up confronted me. You follow me? You and I have habits that cause us impulsively to do things. They're the source from whence sometimes our bad habits come. You following me? Now, there is good news. But the good news don't come unless you know there's bad news. I, I bet each one of you got one of those things, at least one. Whether it's how you feel about other people based on their gender, their race, their ethnicity, their religion, their background, the work they do, whatever. Or whether it's how you feel about spinach. I know people who tell me they don't like spinach, they've never tried it. What is that? That's one of those things working. You understand? You and I are unable to confront the deeper beliefs that motivate our thinking and habits. I can't dig that deep within myself. You follow me? So go to verse 7. Endure hardness as discipline. Your version might say as you endure hardness. I want to say it in the command form like the NIV and the King James says it. Endure hardness as discipline. Now, I had a problem with that the first time I read the verse because my mom beat me, and I mean that lovingly. I didn't think I was abused as a child, but today you would call it abuse. When I did wrong, my mom would whoop me. Sometimes she used a board, a belt, and when she got really angry, it's whatever was in range. To me, that was discipline. So when I saw this verse, I had problems. Endure hardness as discipline. I'm like, God's going to beat me? And some of us feel like God does that to us. He punishes us. Some of you right now are feeling like your life is going the way it's going and things are happening the way they're happening or it did happen the way that it did happen because God is punishing you. I want to change how you see this word. Remember, it's how you see it that makes the difference. Endure does not mean just to put up with and go through it. Some of you hate that word. Because enduring, it means I just got to take it. Nope, that's not what it means. The word endure means persevere through it, keeping the same agenda, the same intensity, the same focus you had before it happened. Endurance is what you go through in spite of what's happening to you and around you. Endurance can better be understood if you look at athletes. An athlete trains and trains, and trains. They don't go to the movies. They don't eat potato chips. When they want to win the prize, they train. They endure the hardness of training so they can win the medal. You with me? 
This verse is not saying just take it. It means when you see trouble, how many of you know you will have trouble? Come on, somebody. Trouble just happens, right? God don't have to send trouble. Would you get that lie off of God? Would you take that lie off of God? God doesn't send trouble. He don't have to. You live in trouble. Trouble is all around you. You don't have to do anything for trouble to visit you. Trouble visits good people and bad people. Short people and tall people. Poor people and rich people. Trouble visits everybody. God don't have to send you trouble. In the world, you'll be having trouble, Jesus says. But believers ought to be of good cheer. Here's another thing that was alluded to in the verse Brenda read. One of the reasons you and I feel so defeated by God, so hurt, is because we have a wrong expectation. Peter said, don't be caught off guard when your faith is tested, as though something strange happened. Listen, you're in a tough place right now. The biggest problem is you were not expecting it. You were living as if it's not going to happen. So it catches you off guard, and now you're panicky because you're not prepared. You're like a ship out on the ocean without a sail. When the storm come up, you don't know what to do because you're not prepared. God wants you prepared. He's trying to thoroughly furnish you so trouble don't catch you off guard. When it catches you off guard, the trouble is multiplied. Is that right? You are a human being under the sun. Long as you live here, you're going to deal with stuff. If God heals you, you got to deal with something else. If he delivers you, you got to go through something else. If he takes you out of one thing, you're going to go through another one. That is not God doing you wrong. That is life. Come on, somebody. Listen, however I feel today, I will not feel this way tomorrow more than likely. I'll have to endure sickness sometimes. Hmm. And I think it's very ineffective when a church doesn't understand its position in the world. As believers, we should not be caught off guard. People die. They do. Things go wrong. They do. You lose a job. You might. But God is faithful, isn't he? Through every storm, through every trial, through every objection, over every mountain, through every desert, God is faithful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know God doesn't want you to be in lack? How many of you know that? God wants you to have everything you need. Is that what the word says? Anybody believe it beside me? God wants you to have everything you need for life and godliness. He wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be satisfied. When you're going through trouble, God did not change his mind about that. He still wants you to be satisfied. The church, City Life Church, has a vision. Folks left the church. The vision didn't change. Whoa. Well, what about all them people? Well, it's still the same. The only question is, will you have faith? Will you let the evidence of the atmosphere around you, the particulars that are happening, dictate to you what God still can do? That's the question. Some of us, when we see trouble, we see God's hand stopped. We interpret trouble as something's going wrong. That's how we see trouble. I'm challenging you today to change how you see it. Endure hardness as training, this word means training, discipline, 
God wants to teach us and train us how to live in this world righteously, how to be effective as an individual and as a church. God wants to train us how he works in the world so we won't miss what he's doing. God wants to train us how to cooperate with what he's doing when things doesn't seem to be going our way. And in order to do that, he got to move some of those constructs that's in us, ideologies and philosophies that make us doubt him. You understand me? You and I have to have our deepest beliefs confronted. You and I must learn, pay close attention, you and I must learn to embrace confrontation. You and I must learn to embrace uncomfortableness. You would never grow as a church or as a believer if you're trying and working to stay comfortable. Never. What you currently have, who you currently are, and what you are currently doing is easy because it's in your current comfort zone. But the things you do not have, you cannot do, and the person you really want to be only exist outside your current comfort zone. You cannot reach outside a comfort zone and bring into it the new thing. You actually have to get outside the comfort zone in order to include the new thing within your comfort zone. But you can't just get outside of it. You have to learn to live outside of it. You challenge the new thing until it exists within your comfort circle. Come on, tell me if you understand me. God is trying to stretch you. The thing you're praying and desiring most for, he's calling you and I out of comfort. Affliction, trouble is one way God got the church to move. When the church was in the upper room, that was comfortable. Everybody sitting around speaking in tongues and high-fiving each other because wasn't that wonderful? And God allowed persecution, the end of a spear, to make people move to different towns. You got that? Some of us would never move if it wasn't for trouble. Some of us would never change if it wasn't for trouble. God knows us. God knows how long I'll sit here if he don't stir something up or allow something to be stirred up. And if he got a goal for me, for me to journey to, he has to get me moving. You understand? Now, I can move aimlessly and afraid and scared, but I'm moving. It's better to direct someone moving than someone standing still. In fact, a person or a church standing still can't get a vision. Your vision is never any more than what you currently see if you're standing still. If you want more for your life, you got to dream outside your current vision. You got to imagine beyond your limits. You got to anticipate beyond your own means. Because God is doing something bigger than what you've ever seen. Come on, somebody. I don't want God to repeat this. Don't do this over again tomorrow, God. Do something new and fresh. God can't give you a fresh vision until the people get fresh. How many of you know when he got ready to change Israel so that they could go into the promised land? He had to let stubborn folk die. I really don't want to see that. I really for, rather for us not to be stubborn. Let's go on in. There are challenges. The walls are big. The folks got spears and iron, and we are ill-equipped seemingly. 
But I believe God can still do what he promised. According to the Bible, I only need a Joshua and a Caleb. I got a Caleb. Let me close it out with this last thing. When you and I are trying to figure out God's will for us, and we're trying to cooperate with God's will for our lives, one of the most important things you and I can do if we're seeing things wrongly, if you and I are looking at life circumstances right now and they look like they're not going anywhere or they look off, you can do like that man in Mark did. You can close your eyes and let God touch them again. Seeing is not a behavior. Seeing is a concept of the mind. Looking is a behavior. Seeing is what your brain does when it processes the information and give you a message from it. Facts are facts. There are some people that are not here that used to be. That's a fact. But what it means is up for grabs. In the book of Hebrews, the third verse of the 12th chapter says this. Believers, fix your eyes on Jesus who is the author and finisher of your faith. For he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Translation, stop looking at what's happening to you. Stop looking at what's happening around you and look beyond that to the outcome God has planned. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's trying to get you beyond the valley, not into the valley. You have to keep your eyes upon what you're working for, what you're trying to accomplish. You must fix your eyes on Jesus. That means you take your eyes off of everything else and only look at the outcome I'm expecting. Do you know the cross was a terrible thing? It was embarrassing. It was hard. It was difficult. But Jesus wasn't looking at the nails that's about to go in my hands or the way people feel about me right now. He wasn't looking at the fact that they just embarrassed me and stripped me naked. They spit on me and they're beating me. Don't someone care? He didn't call out, hey, man, I healed you. Why don't you help me? Hey, lady, I rescued you. Why don't you come and, and speak up for me? He never said anything like that. Because the Bible said he had his eyes on you being saved. He had his eyes on the fact that his father will restore him when this is all over. He had his eyes on the promise God had made that if you endure this, you will achieve your results. You will get your expected end. It was echoed in Jeremiah. God has plans for you. They're not to harm you. They're not to hurt you. But they are to bring you to an expected end, a hopeful outcome. If you keep your eyes on the hopeful outcome, we'll get to where we're supposed to go. But you can't interpret trouble as an obstacle or barrier. It's something I got to go through to train me so I can possess what he has on the other side. So I'm going to ask if you would close your eyes with me. 
I can't touch your eyes, but Jesus can. If you're in a place, a situation where things look dim, they look like they're not working. If it looks like trouble is stopping you and blocking you, I'm just asking if you will say to God, God, touch my eyes. My prayer won't do nothing. Yours will do it. I'm in agreement with you. If you're looking at your family and you did everything you could to keep them on the right track and it looks like they're going wrong, tell God to touch your eyes because he could be saving them when you think he's losing them. If you're going through financial situations and difficulties, ask God to touch your eyes. See, help me to see what you're teaching me, how you're training me, and so I can get ready for the outcome you have prepared for me. God, touch my eyes. If you're feeling discouraged and depressed because things have not turned out the way you think they're supposed to, God, touch my eyes. God, I'm not arguing over the it that I see. The facts are really there. Someone's body is really hurting. Someone's finances are really short. Someone's child is really gone astray. The world is getting worse. Things are happening. We're not denying the facts. We see them, God. We acknowledge them. Jesus was really dying on the cross. They really did nail his hands and feet. But you still got victory out of that. God, we're not denying the reality of the trouble. God, help us to embrace what you're doing through the trouble. God, you loved us while we were sinners. We didn't even deserve your goodness. And yet you rescued us. How much more now that we believe in you that you would also rescue us since we are your children. Hebrews told us to endure hardness as sons, children. Help us to understand your love is not a tyrannical love. But it's gentle and tender and merciful and kind and gracious that if you needed to allow us to cry so we can get the deeper reward on the other side you'll permit it but we won't give up on you focus our eyes God touch us again so we can see differently you don't even have to change the circumstance God you can just make us see it differently show up right now father in somebody's mind's eye show what you're doing show the outcome God you're healing even when it don't look like it we believe your word and your declaration nothing by any means shall harm us God when life seems to throw objections and doubt and evidence against that we believe your word hallelujah we are safe in your arms 
teach us courage, perseverance, steadfastness. In order to do that, we'll have to go through some trials. We have to learn how to manage ourselves and our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts. You don't want a subject to outburst without control. You don't want a subject to words that are not pleasing to you. Enough of us saying it's the best we can do. God, take us to the other side. That we be people of faith, people of righteousness. You are our standard. And Father, where someone right now needs comfort, let this be a word of comfort. It's hard for us to hear in a difficult place where we need to change. But today we surrender that. Change us, oh God. You are perfect. You are all-knowing. You are holy. You are righteous. You, God, are everlasting. Line us up with you. In the name of Jesus. God, your church is not failing. You were prepared for the 21st century. 2019 is no surprise to you. Father, you are ready for it. God, you are not short. You are not caught off guard. Help us to stop being surprised. People still need you. People still are searching for you. People still desire you. And you still give life. Help us to hold on to what we have and not cast our confidence aside. I pray for restoration right now of confidence in all those who are leaning and failing and weak. You told us, strengthen our feeble hands. Straighten up our weak knees so that we don't become a stumbling block to the lame. And today, God, this church will stand. We will declare your glory. We will declare your goodness. We will declare your holiness and your righteousness. We will maintain in your word, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 